Hello, I'm Daniel. This is my podcast, Sharpening the Mind. I am a meditation teacher and also a labor activist in Kansas City, Missouri. I teach classes in meditation and Buddhism at the Rime Buddhist Center, as well as a few other places. Thank you for listening and have a great day. Hello, today we are going to talk about suffering or the unsatisfying nature of existence. And this is a Buddhist teaching. Um, It's one of the four thoughts that turn the mind toward the Dharma or the four thoughts that change the mind. And sometimes when people hear about it, they think that Buddhism is very negative because the unsatisfying nature of things. Well, that sounds really dark. That sounds really negative. That life's unsatisfying sounds really negative. But it's not negative because what we're talking about is in teaching to empower ourselves to resolve our suffering or to at least not get so torn up by our suffering because that's what happens. We get really torn up. So it's with mindfulness, compassion, cultivating virtue. That's how we learn to suffer less. And that's what this is about. So, I want to, I'm going to read to you a quote from The Power of Mind by Kentro Lodrote. And it is this, and I quote, So many of us avoid the most important questions in life. Because we don't investigate enough, we assume things, ex- we assume things exist exactly the way we perceive them to be. We operate under false assumptions, believing that things stay the same each moment, that a permanent, desirable solution can be created, that happiness will result from worldly pursuits. Without looking deeply into any of those underlying beliefs, we pursue them. Ask yourself, can true and lasting happiness be found here? So that's the thing, man. Suffering when events, we suffer a lot when events don't meet our expectations. We suffer when we don't see the world clearly. We suffer when we don't get the things we want. We suffer when we get things we don't want. Uh, Quick word about uh, that word suffering, though. The original uh, text that we're... The original word that we're translating as suffering was dukkha. And dukkha has connotations of being off-kilter, being out of step. It's not so much... When I hear the word suffering, you know, I think of something like getting my fingernails pulled off or something, something horrifying, right? And so I'm not crazy about that translation, but when Buddhism first came to the West, that is how dukkha was translated and people stuck with that, okay? So keep that in mind. If the word suffering is really like putting things in your head and really bothering you, well, it may not be exactly what you think, Um a uh, metaphor, an old metaphor that was used to define suffering was an ox cart with one broken wheel. And I don't know what an ox cart is, so I like to think of a shopping cart because we all have that experience where you go to the store and you get a cart and one of the wheels is kind of sticky or it or it makes a bumping with the cart and just makes it a little bit unpleasant. But not, it doesn't ruin your experience so much that you turn the cart in and get another cart, but rather you think, oh, I can deal with this. And you're just going along with your cart and once in a while, boom, boom, right? It sticks. Not all the time, just once in a while. And that 
That is the unsatisfying nature of things. That is, there's just one irritating thing that's getting in the way. Because I expect that cart to have four wheels that work fine. And you know, life sometimes is like a shopping cart with one wheel messed up. Sometimes it's like a shopping cart with two wheels messed up. Sometimes it's like a shopping cart with no wheels, right? But uh, rarely, rarely do we get that shopping cart where all four of the wheels work exactly like they're supposed to. Right? Rarely. And that is sort of the connotations of what dukkha means. So when you think of suffering, if you think of like being in a pit of fire or something, that's not really what we're talking about here. We're talking about the quiet desperation of ordinary life with which we are all familiar because we get things we want and those things don't last, right? Or we get things we want and those things do not meet the expectations that we had. So if you really want to date a person and you get a date with them and they're really dull, right? If you really want a nice car and you get the car and it does not run like you thought it would or it doesn't make you feel a lot of the time it's feelings. You feel like if I get this job, then I'm going to feel great and be happy. And the truth is, man, there's just, the truth is, there's just new issues there. There's just new issues there. Rarely do we get a thing and it matches our expectations and we're perfectly happy. And even when that does happen, it doesn't stick with us. It doesn't last. And that's why we're talking about a sort of a greater sense of contentment that we can get to through mind training. One that's not so fleeting is what we're after, okay? So, it is taught in Buddhism that there are three kinds of suffering. And those are called, number one, the suffering of suffering. Number two, the suffering of change. And number three, the all-pervasive suffering of everything composite. Oof, that's a mouthful, right? So, the suffering of suffering is just any experience we have that's unpleasant or painful or that we don't want. And it's not only physical experiences, but also mental unhappiness applies. Things like depression, anxiety, etc. These are all part of the suffering of suffering. And it's also when we don't get something we really want or we get something we don't want. That's the suffering of suffering. And I'm going to read to you a brief contemplation from the book about the suffering of suffering. And again, this book is The Power of Mind by Kentrel Lodrote, and I really recommend it. So, um, this is a contemplation related to the suffering of suffering that I just wanted to read to you. Contemplate the suffering of suffering in this way by bringing to mind the specific and obvious suffering that different kinds of beings experience. Take this to a deeper and more personal level by thinking of a regular day in your life. Count all the sensations, positive and negative, physical and mental, that happen during the course of a day. Be honest with yourself and ask yourself the question, do I experience more pleasant sensations or more unpleasant sensations? Think carefully. Most of what we consider pleasant is actually, actually an alleviation of a previous discomfort. Only a few moments are truly pleasurable or joyful. Even so, as humans, we have it better than most beings. In other states of existence, beings experience much more 
suffering of suffering. So I think generally when we think of suffering, that's the suffering we think of. But now I'm going to talk about the suffering of change. And that is just all happiness does not last, and we suffer when it ends. So the suffering of change is sometimes tied to positive feelings because they're fleeting. We think that if we just get this or that aspect of our lives straightened out, then we can finally be happy because once we get that straightened out, you know, once I get the best job or the best spouse or the best car or the best house, it's going to stay great forever and I'm going to finally have a chance to be happy. It's okay that I'm not happy now because I'm going to be happy once I get once I get that good job, once I get that thing I, I'm after. And then a lot of the time, the things we get don't meet our expectations. The things we get don't last as long as we think we do. So the suffering of change is when we want things not to change, but they do. That can be losing a job. That can be losing a spouse. That can be getting older, right? Losing some of your health, right? That's the suffering of change. And so these are innately tied together because if you're going through the suffering of change and say you get a horrible illness, right? That's change from physical well-being to physical unwell-being and then it becomes the suffering of suffering, right? So these are these are tied together. So, what about this all pervasive suffering of everything composite? That's a mouthful. I'm not sure about that terminology, but everything composite, well, that's just everything. Because everything in the universe is other things coming together. Everything. So, you know, my car is composite because it has an engine. It has wheels. It has a gas tank. It has tires on those wheels. It has the body, the frame, right? Um... It has a battery, right? It has all these things. It's composite. It's all these things put together. And you could see we are that too, right? I have a head. I have arms and legs inside my body. I have lungs, a heart, a liver, right? I have a digestive system. All these things are composite. These are things that have come together. And somewhere I have consciousness, right? All these things are what make me composite. And an inherent nature of being composite is breaking down, right? All that is gathered will come apart. It is, he says, and I quote, not a direct sensation of pleasure or pain, but instead inherent conditions of suffering within each appearance. Because we're a composite thing, suffering is a part of our experience. And I'm going to read to you, I have contemplations, I meant to do this differently, but I have contemplations of those other two of suffering of change that I'll do first, and then I'll read the contemplation of suffering all pervasive, okay? So, suffering of change. Consider how you feel when you're complimented or criticized. When someone says something complimentary, we feel a moment of elation. But if a few minutes later someone puts us down, then that previous positive feeling just disappears. Short-lived, pleasurable moments feel good at the time, but they don't provide any lasting or true peace and joy in the mind. As we discovered before, they are often not even overtly pleasant, but instead merely a relief from previous discomfort. So even the, though the human state is called fortunate, we're not overwhelmingly happy. There's nothing in this state that we can fully place our trust in or rely upon. 
there is no genuine, lasting happiness found in ordinary existence, end quote. So that's why we're on this spiritual path, because the happiness we get in our day-to-day ordinary life is not lasting, and it's not what we'll expect it to be, and it's not, it's not a true joy. It's not a true joy. And here's the contemplation about the all-pervasive suffering of everything composite, okay? Here we go, and I quote, To see how everything relate to is intertwined with suffering, look at the thoughts and feelings you experience in relation to possessions. Bring to mind something specific that you own, and examine your experience with that position from possession from the beginning, in the middle, and at the end. We suffer if we don't have a car, but if we have one, we suffer as well. We suffer if we don't have wealth, but we suffer if we have it too. Consider how much hardship you're willing to endure to accumulate money and to protect it. Think about all the time and effort and the afflictive emotions involved in acquiring it. Then, in the middle, once you have accumulated wealth or acquired something of value, you feel anxious about how to keep it. You worry, what if I lose it? How can I protect it? This is the suffering of ownership. At the same time, there is the suffering of trying to increase wealth. Then in the end, there is suffering from the inevitable loss or decline of it. At the very least, there's suffering that comes from having to leave it all behind when we die. Compounding all of this, we may have engaged in negative actions to acquire that wealth, which will produce suffering in the future as well. Look at the dream of owning a house. How many hours do you have to work to purchase the house? Then once you own it, how much time and energy goes into maintaining it? How many expenses are associated with maintaining and repairing it? How many? Ex- uh, but owning a house isn't the only issue. Now you have to furnish it as well. You spent all that money on a new couch, table, and chairs. You want them to stay nice for as long as possible. How much mental space is taken up by worrying about and caring for those items? As time goes by, the house gets older, Things break and the list goes on. In other words, if we own a house, we have a house's worth of problems. If we have three houses, we have three houses worth of problems. Three houses worth of suffering. And it is the same. It is the same with all possessions. End quote. So I think of uh, more money, more problems, right? I think of... uh, I bought a house a few years ago, and it had a whole lot of expenses that I did not know were going to come. And that, I think, happens to everyone when they buy a house, actually. Unexpected expenses, and you try to prepare yourself, and you can't. So I have house problems. No matter what, there are problems. And the question is, can we learn how to face those problems with more mindfulness, awareness, compassion, and wisdom. And I believe we can. And so I'm going to read one more quote from Kendra Lodrote. That is, there isn't a thing called suffering that exists outside of ourselves. Our way of relating to the objects we perceive causes us to suffer. That's, that's the truth. So I've heard it said, like, pain is inevitable, but suffering is optional. Suffering How we relate to the vagaries of life does not serve us. So we want to learn how to relate to the vagaries of life differently.
So that's it for today. Thank you for taking the time to listen to me and have a good day. Hello, this is a reading from The Power of Mind by Kendrolo Drote, and this one is about contemplating suffering, contemplating suffering. So here's the reading. Relate to everything from the perspective of the three kinds of suffering, the suffering of suffering, the suffering of change, and the all-pervasive suffering of everything composite. If you are enjoying something, remember you can't keep it forever and make it a point to appreciate it more. If you are disturbed about something, pause, adjust your perspective, reflect on these points. We suffer when our expectations of samsara are not met. We struggle when we expect samsara to be a source of joy when it is actually a source of suffering. If we didn't have unreasonable expectations of samsara, we wouldn't be so disappointed. Bring these reflections and an awareness of the three kinds of suffering to every challenging situation. You can also increase your acceptance of suffering by comparing your suffering to that of other living beings. Considering the experiences of those in the less fortunate realms may not end suffering, but it can help put your situation into perspective. Compare the weight of all phenomena in the universe, beginningless and endless cycles of existence, to this one single moment. Ask yourself, when I die, will my reaction to this situation have been worthwhile? Or will it have created more suffering in the present and causes for future suffering? Use whatever understanding of suffering you have to talk yourself out of a negative reaction in the moments. So that was the reading about contemplating suffering. Thank you for taking the time to listen to me and have a good day. Thank you for listening and have a good day.